County Tribune Sentinel on the Niagara Frontier Radio Reading Service. And starting on the Tribune Sentinel in Niagara County, on the front page, a column entitled Special Solar Eclipse Event for Families offered by Fichte Endel and Elmer Eicher. Fichte Endel and Elmer Eicher will host a total eclipse party from noon to 5 p.m. Monday, April 8th at its office at 6500 Porter Avenue, or Road. Event organizers said, located in the town of Niagara, it is the perfect viewing location for the event, which will be highlighted by the solar eclipse at 3.20 p.m. This free family gathering will include a live band performing in the Fichte El Endel and Elmer Eye Care parking lot, llamas for children to see and pet, and the optical boutique will be open, so shop around for some sunglasses. In addition, there will be free parking, free solar eclipse glasses, and free hot dogs. Attendees are encouraged to bring chairs or a blanket. Michael Endel, MDE, said, We are so excited about the April 8th solar eclipse that we are throwing a party. Western New York is one of the lucky regions of the country that falls directly in the path of totality. This means we will see the moon completely blocked out completely block out the sun for up to three minutes in the middle of the afternoon. Not only is this a phenomenon that hasn't happened in Western New York for 99 years, it's also important for us to attempt to educate the public on eyewear for safe viewing. We will be passing out ISO-approved safety glasses at our free eclipse party. It is vitally important to your eyesight not to look at the eclipse without ISO-approved eyewear. If you do, you risk permanent retinal damage resulting in decreased vision. In addition to this event, Endel has been invited to the Buffalo Science Museum to speak about eye safety when viewing the eclipse. <coughs> also on the front page, a column entitled Village of Lewiston to Save Waterfront Tree. Trustees in the village of Lewiston reversed course on Tuesday and voted to save the approximately 30-foot blue spruce tree adjacent to the Freedom Crossing Monument on North Water Street. They cited public response to social media posts and subsequent conversations with locals. Board members on November 20th voted 3-2 to have the spruce and a nearby crabapple tree cut down. Mayor Ann Welch and the board members Dan Gibson and Tina Cook Coppins voted in the affirmative while Deputy Mayor Vic Edick and Trustee Nick Condy dissented. This time, Gibson said, I would like to apologize to the taxpayers for not doing my due diligence. I didn't realize it was a healthy tree. It was a miscommunication and I did not realize that it was a memorial to someone in the village. And so I'd like to make a motion that we keep the tree. The audience applauded as trustees unanimously, unanimously, unanimously voted in favor of keeping the tree. Last week, Welch said, the Beautification Commission asked if we could take the spruce down because they wanted to redo the park. It's overgrown. It's got sharp needles, so it's not real park friendly. It blocks the view of the Freedom Crossing Monument, the view of the river. It's getting too tall to really take care of. 
But after hearing from residents, Welch said, I think it would be a compromise on our part to just trim up the tree and save the tree. It seems like everybody's in favor of saving the tree. <clears throat> its removal would be a great loss and have detrimental environmental impact. The blue spruce is not just any tree. It is a symbol of our town's commitment to preserving nature. At the board meeting, Goods said she had seen plans to upgrade the waterfront park, and they're all good improvements. New benches, new fences, those are all wonderful things, but it takes a village, and I think the village here has made their voice clear and has said, please don't cut down a healthy tree. She added the tree also has sentimental value. It was planted as a memorial for Ted Beaton by his wife, Evelyn. I would urge the board to take another look at this and consider a compromise. Goods offered trustees two pictures showing how to trim the tree. And I will describe that to you. It looks from a blue shaggy spruce tree that's kind of scraggly looking to a tree that looks more like something you would buy in a store for your own Christmas tree. Almost like an arrow. Much leaner and much more sculpted. Like the tip of a spear. Jocelyn Pinson spoke on behalf of her grandfather, the late Zoning Board of Appeals Chairman, John Ritter. She said, he was the harbor master down at Lewiston Landing for many years, and I just think that if we take care of it and it looks great, then we should just keep it. I rode my bike down there many years, every single year that he worked, and I always looked at the beautiful tree, and I still see it when I go down there now. Ritter's wife Nancy said, Department of Public Works Superintendent Larry Wills and the DPW are very much in favor of keeping the tree, and I know they would be glad to trim it. <clears throat> Excuse me. John used to come up here, come up there, and trim that tree. But the last time would have been in 2017. So it hasn't been trimmed in seven years, and I think it could be trimmed and made nice. If somebody wants to see the view of Canada or whatever, they can move over a little bit and look over and see it. <laughs> Welch explained beautification. They asked for that because they do such a beautiful job in this village, and they wanted to redo that park. The tree does take up a good portion of it, and it's not the best tree in the park. I had a visit by Rob Nichols, who is a member of the Lions Club, and they are planting 11 new trees in the village. They wanted to put two down there. If that tree was taken down, that was the area where they would have planted. But like I said, we appreciate beautification. We try to help them every step of the way, and when they want to put new gardens in or redo the parks or whatever, we try to help them in any way you can. Lewiston Beautification Commission member Susan Latka said, it's okay to save the tree. We just would like the lower landing to look better. It does not look that great right now. The walkways need to be redone, the swings, the benches. She added, we only would like to see improvement down there. We don't have to cut down the tree. All I want to see is some improvement down there. I know you're trying to get grant money. This was a suggestion to try and do something to improve the lower landing to make it look more beautiful. 
Keeping the tree is fine. I have no problem with keeping the tree, trimming the tree. A lot of people complain, but they don't help. No one volunteers to help plant, to water. It only takes a couple of hours. My husband and I do it. It only takes an hour of your day, maybe one day a week for an hour to help us out. Well, it's noted. If anybody is interested in joining the Garden Club of Beautification, they are also always looking for volunteers. It's very worthwhile, and you can see how beautiful the village looks because of their efforts. If anyone out there would like to join, they'd be glad to have you. On page two, the village of Lewiston okays plan for a smaller Academy Park Pavilion. Trustees in the village of Lewiston on Tuesday modified and then approved plans to build a pavilion in Academy Park. Board members asked for a more compact shelter so as to save money and possibly embellish the structure. I would like to challenge engineering to make it smaller and a little different. Trustee Nick Condy said he suggested a small footprint, 80 feet by 40 feet, with less concrete, higher pillars, scissor trusses, custom columns with wood grain, and a copper cupola. A different look to it than what was proposed and what was approved by planning. The exterior roof was set to be metal with vinyl siding and an interior ceiling utilizing a soft-lit seal, a soffit seal, to prevent wildlife from nesting. Mayor Ann Welch asked for more of a peaked underside. If we make it 40-some percent smaller, we can save some money there and put a little better quality to it, Condi said. The pavilion will be located next to the Alfonso Dimino Memorial Band Shell in the park's southwest corner. It was designed by Jim Fitanti of Fitanti Architecture, who also serves on the village's Historic Preservation Commission. He said the designs were smooth columns to match the columns that are on the band shell. All the colors are to reflect on there, too. Moreover, Fitanti noted his plan was more cost-efficient in terms of design elements. It wouldn't be less expensive for sure, he said, of the suggested architectural changes. At last week's HPC meeting, Fitanti explained his original concept at 6,600 square feet, 60 feet wide by 110 feet long, takes up 2% of the green space of the five-acre park. It's very minimal. He said a pavilion of that size could hold up to 300 people. However, at the planning commission meeting, board members Board members and architect David Giaciano suggested the shelter could hold almost a thousand people, depending on event type and layout. The actual size is pretty reasonable for the size of the park, Fatanti said. Every park that you can think of that brings people into the park have pavilions or shelter structures. It just gives people a place to come to and get out of the shade, get out of the rain. Almost, almost every event that we have at that park will benefit from that pavilion being there. Currently, there is a stone pathway next to the proposed pavilion site, 
but that might be removed. Deputy Mayor Vic Edel, eat it, E-Y-D-T, eat it. Because of where the pavilion will be located, we're not touching any trees. That was a big factor in where it's located. The other factor is there is a 12-inch water line in the village that comes right down to that park. And from where we had it originally pegged, we had to move it over five feet so we're not straddling that 12-inch water main. This has been a well thought, thought of, well thought, okay. I'm just gonna make up my own stuff here. This has been a well thought over this has been well thought over the last probably three years, Fatanti said. There has been thought about the ice pavilion for ice skating. This was placed to complement that if it was ever to be brought back. It could be placed to the side of it. Oh my gosh. The existing electrical that's there is going to be relocated to be accessible at this location for the ice rink if it were to ever come back or anything future that could handle it. He added, the backside of the columns are going to be flat so they can accept any type of a roll-down enclosure or anything on the backside. HPC board member Rita Gieben said, I like that you complemented both buildings and you kind of drew them in together. I think that's really going to be nice. I like it. Chairwoman Loretta Frankovich said, I think we need a pavilion there. Every park does, Fitanti said. Planning board members Joe Source said, it's a great addition to the village. Welch said the pavilion in Maryland Toohey's Park outside of the Red Brick Municipal Building is constantly in use. We rent it constantly, and everybody loves it. I think up in our premier park, it's very important to have a park pavilion. Welch has said the Academy Park Pavilion could be used by the Lewiston Kiwanis Club for the annual Niagara County Peach Festival and by the merchants at the Lewiston Artisan Farmer's Market. I think it's needed, she said. The Peach Festival tent, instead of spending $10,000 on a peach tent, they can use our pavilion. Also, we were hoping that the farmer market could use it when it's raining. It will shelter them. We talked down the road if we were able to put an ice rink back, that would work as a shelter. She added, there was a lot of meetings, a lot of discussion. Everybody was for this project. Honestly, a park pavilion is really needed, and it doesn't take up a lot of space. We have to put it in that location because of the Peach Festival. We can't go over to the other side because they put all the rides there. So it was the most logical place to be put, which would also complement the band show. We originally wanted restrooms on it, but it's a little expensive to do that. We could always add it to the, down the road if we get more funding. Welch added, when it comes to the pavilion, we'll be able to also probably put a sidewalk on the side there so people can use it for access. Last October, the town of Lewiston voted in favor of providing the village with $190,000 in Greenway funding for the pavilion. Welch said the municipality also has $120,000 from private donations. Initial project costs for the large-sized pavilion ranged from $325,000 to $350,000.
In awarding the Greenway money, Supervisor Steve Broderick stipulated Town of Lewiston Building Inspector Tim Masters be involved in the inspection of the final plans before they are sent out to bid, and the bids be sealed, that Broderick sees the bids when they're received, and that Masters inspect the pavilion. <coughs> Lewiston Assembly of God Church is hosting a carnival event from 3 to 9 p.m. Saturday, May 11th, in Academy Park and at the Alfonso Domino Memorial Band Shelter to raise funds to purchase picnic tables for the pavilion. Welch said she's hopeful the pavilion will be built by the start of summer. 2024 could be a big year for Academy Park with additional plans in place for new Greenway-funded bike trails and an art wrap around the Comfort Station. Metal art frames might be installed on the site's east and north sides. <coughs> Page 3, Ellicott Development, Plaza Plans, Change Approved. The Village of Lewiston Board of Trustees has joined the Planning Commission and Zoning Board of Appeals in signing off on Ellicott Development's proposed plaza modifications at 780 Center Street. The Buffalo Real Estate Management and Development Company intends to convert the ground level of Building Number 3 into 10 market rate apartments. The street-level space was originally intended to be used for retail. Toward the end of 2023, Ellicott Development Director of Development Thomas Fox informed the municipality of his company's need to modify the plaza's back end. He cited potential tenants' lack of interest in Building Number 3 due to its size and distance from Center Street. At Tuesday's Village Board meeting, he reiterated, what we found is an inability to lease the ground floor commercial space, unfortunately with the changes in the market after COVID. A lack of interest in the roughly 13,000 to 14,000 square feet on the first floor where the residential market has been strong. So what we've looked to do and what we propose is the conversion of the first floor into mixed use. We would be primarily excuse me, it would be primarily residential with a mix of studio, one, and primarily two-bedroom units. Fox presented an initial proposal earlier this year, but was asked to consider adding greenery and a recreational component. At the February 12th planning board meeting, he highlighted these notable changes to building number three and the plaza on the new proposal. First, no more drive-through component. With the proposed first floor changes, we're enclosing what was initially intended to be a drive-through area closer to the west elevation, Fox said. As for the building itself, the exterior renovation will use matching brick and a window style similar to what's on the second floor. Next, there will be more green space. Primarily, the focus was trying to green up around this building. That was the main interest, which we understood, trying to give the Onondaga elevation some more curb appeal as it was really treated as the back of a commercial space and has minimal landscaping back there, Fox said. The biggest change here is the landscaping, primarily on the north and south elevations, mostly on the north elevation. In total, we've added 172 plantings, a combination of deciduous shrubs, excuse me, deciduous trees, evergreens, flowering shrubs, hamlin grasses, and a nice mixture of stuff. He added, 
the north end of the drive-through area, we've created quite a bit of landscaping in there, extending that existing peninsula to fill in nice and deep. We've got two rows of shrubs, and we've got a deciduous tree there that anchors the inside corner. Fox said, we took away five parking spaces on the front elevation, the south elevation here. One of them off the main drive coming in, lining up in front of that existing covered area, we took away three spaces, adding a deciduous tree with a number of plantings around that, and then also halfway between that and the proposed new entrance, we introduced the peninsula to further green up the front. In addition, these landscaped peninsulas that are existing at the corners, what we're proposing to do there is really embellish those much further, adding flowering shrubs and grasses. You can see there's existing deciduous plants on those corners, but otherwise the grass didn't really come in very nicely. So we're proposing to take all that grass up in those areas and replace with nice beds and a number of plantings again to help further embellish the color and color up those areas. In addition, you've got the transformer, which is surrounded by big, bright yellow bollards right now that wasn't landscaped around. We're proposing arborvitae that would wrap around and green up that to enclose the space and improve the appearance of that. Trustee Nick Condi asked for additional greenery on the east side. Fox said that is doable. Next, building a sidewalk on Onondaga Street. There were some challenges that we discussed in the past about the sidewalk that were previously proposed on 8th. The challenges of the gas company there, which won't allow for a sidewalk, Fox said. But we are proposing to come back in here and complete the sidewalk along Onondaga along with all these plantings. This week, Fox noted his company will include a connection point from this northwest corner of the building, a pedestrian path connecting down to the Onondaga sidewalk. Also, they're planning on adding a recreational component. With regard to the outdoor amenity space, Fox said, we chose to do something on the front here with the addition of a gazebo on a plateau area overlooking building number three. They will also modify the entrance. And they added an entrance on access point to the main elevator lobby on the front of the building at the southwest corner to give Center Street presence for the res residential entry. Retail component. Fox told the planning board, actually, we did have recently a lease signed for that space that's contingent upon some licensing the tenant needs to secure. But we do have a tenant, hopefully, secured now for that space. Fox later noted, the present lease that we have for this space is a cannabis store. And then the back area, there's no lease yet for the back space. He added, in the rear of the one tenant space, we do have some additional commercial or that east elevation that would still be available about 1,200 square feet in size of that total 3,000 that we've left for commercial. As far as the next step, 
Fox said Ellicott Development intends to start construction work this summer, but that depends on project financing and the ability to obtain materials. As such, the planning board added a contingency plan to its approval. Members accepted the site plan, including landscaping and a sidewalk, plus construction of the apartments on the first level, but they did so contingent that the funds necessary to cover the expense of the landscaping and sidewalk, if uncompleted, to be held in cash funds or bonds in support of the completion of the site plans in the event that the weather conditions do not permit proper planting and completion prior to the issuance of the Certificate of Occupancy. Trustees asked Fox to look into the increased sewer load for residential apartments as opposed to the original water plans that were in place for retail units. The ZBA on January 22nd granted Ellicott Development variances related to density and unit size and type. On Tuesday, Planning Board Chairwoman Doreen Alby complimented Ellicott Development for its willingness to work with the Village of Lewiston. She said, we were able to get a wonderful development for this site. Just a reminder, you are listening to a reading of articles and features from the Island Dispatch and the Niagara County Tribune Sentinel on the Niagara Frontier Radio Reading Service. On page four, there is an opinion submitted by Assemblyman Norris and Morinello, who represent the 144th and 145th Assembly Districts, respectively. And that includes portions of Erie County and Niagara County. The column is entitled, Infrastructure Must Be a Top Priority. Having safe roads, bridges, sewers, and culverts is essential to public safety and to our economy. Not only does having our infrastructure well-maintained ensure people can get to work and their appointments safely and on time, run their errands, and deliver their children to school, but it also ensures the food, goods, and services we all need and rely on can easily and readily be accessible. Well-maintained infrastructure protects us against emergencies and can lessen the response time in emergency situations as well. It is essential. Under Governor Andrew Cuomo, funding for our local infrastructure through the program known as the Consolidated Local Street and Highway Improvement Program, or CHIPS, was basically held flat. In fact, during his decade as governor, Cuomo held funding flat for CHIPS except for one increase in fiscal year 2013 and 14. <clears throat> that was until we worked together with our partners in the highway department here in western New York, held rallies with our colleagues at the state capitol and throughout the state, and sent a loud and clear message that local infrastructure matters and is essential. Finally, in fiscal year 2021-22, we succeeded in delivering a historic $100 million increase for CHIPS and $60 million more in 2023-24. While this funding increase was well-needed, well-deserved, and much appreciated in our local communities when 
You are talking about a state budget that spends hundreds of billions of dollars annually. This funding is simply a drop in the bucket. Though this funding increase was good news, we all know it wasn't enough. New York is famous for its pothole problem, coupled with years of difficult winters, plus the occurrence of natural disasters across our state. Here in western New York, we face extreme flooding along Lake Ontario's southern shore, but so many communities in our state have been impacted by similar events of their own. Add to that the crushing burden of inflation. As the rising cost of diesel and gasoline, salt maintenance and repairs, labor costs and more strain our local highway crews, the less they can accomplish and the less our tax dollars stretch when it comes to the actual repairs we need. This is why we are disappointed and surprised that Governor Kathy Hochul has proposed to eliminate the $60 million CHIPS increase while at the same time handing our billions in taxpayer dollars to illegal aliens. We don't accept that. We want this budget to get back to basics, and we should be investing in services that help everyone, like our infrastructure. Everyone benefits from having safe roads and bridges, drinking water, and clear sewers and drainage systems. They are essential. We're calling on the governor to change course and to reconsider her priorities. As we all know, budgets are about priorities. Our priority in representing you is ensuring Western New York is a safe place to live and do business. That starts with good infrastructure. And this is why we're asking for a full restoration of CHIPS funding, as well as an additional $200 million investment in this budget to position our communities with the resources they need to maintain our infrastructure, help us sustain and grow our economy, and ensure public safety for years to come. Going over to page five in the news, St. Potty's Day for Diamonds in the Rough. Diamonds in the Rough Animal Rescue will hold its annual St. Potty's, that's P-A-U-T-T-Y apostrophe S, Day Basket Raffle on Saturday, March 9th at the Shawnee Fire Hall at 3747 Lockport Road in Sanborn. The event runs from 5 to 10 p.m. Tickets are available for $20 presale or $25 at the door. Price of admission includes beer, wine, and soda. Organizers teased hundreds of baskets, high-end items, booze raffle, bake sale, merchandise, food for sale, and DJ playing your favorite music. For more information, check out the event on the Diamonds in the Rough Facebook page. The Wheatfield Senior Trips. March 27th, Spring Fling from 9 a.m. to 6 p.m. Start the day with an old-fashioned family-style pancake brunch at Sprague's Maple Farm. Learn the art of candle making on a tour of the Northern White Candle Factory. Finish the day at the Cuba Cheese Shop to stock up on your favorite cheese. The cost is $72. Each trip departs from the Department of Motor Vehicle parking lot at 500 Wheatfield Street, North Tonawanda. For more information or to make a reservation, contact Jean Marshall 
at 716-694-5567. That's 716-694-5567. Or email Jean, J-E-A-N, Marshall, M-A-R-S-H-A-L-L, -L, 39, 3, that would be 39, at yahoo.com. So that's Gene Marshall, all small, 39 at yahoo.com. Uh, Niagara Falls State Park drawing for indigenous artisan permits. The drawing for six permits for the 2024 indigenous artisan market at Niagara Falls State Park will be held at 11 a.m. Monday, March 25th at the DeVoe Woods State Park Castellani Building at 3160 DeVoe Woods Drive, East Niagara Falls. Applications for the permit lottery are available from 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. weekdays at DeVoe Woods State Park or online at https colon two forward slashes parks dot new york dot gov forward slash parks forward slash Four six forward slash. They are due back by Friday, March twenty second. Applications may be dropped off or mailed to Deval Woods State Park or emailed back to Niagara Falls SSP at parks .gov, All small letters. To have a permit application mailed, you can call seven one six two seven eight. 1770. That's 716-278-1770. Six permits will be awarded. Applicants are welcome to attend but not required to be present. This is a change from previous years. To be eligible for a permit, applicants must be 18 years of age or older and have indigenous tribal membership or provide verifiable proof of indigenous heritage. And you can get additional information by calling 716-278-1762. That's 716-278-1762. Turning over to page 6, WWE Legends Demolition Returns to ESW. Empire State Wrestling will return to the Frontier Fire Hall at 2176 Liberty Drive in Niagara Falls on Friday, March 15th with Tough Luck. This event will feature a meet and greet with legendary World Wrestling Entertainment tag team Demolition. This will be Demolition's second appearance at an ESW event. The former WWE tag team champions last appeared at ESW's Brawl Fest in 2015 when they teamed with Riot to defeat the Caesar Johnny Puma and Will Calrissian. Also announced for Frontier, Freeze, ESW Tag Team Championship CXR versus PME. ESW Interstate Championship Spencer Slade, C, versus Pro Wrestling Noah star Sean Legacy. Kevin Blackwood versus TNA Wrestling's Jason Hotch. 
Gregory Irons versus Bill Collier, part two, ESW's first ever all-women's tag team match, Katie Arquette and Adina Steele versus Christina Marie and Haley Dillon, Nick Endo versus James Saiga, Vinnie Moon with Will Carrison versus Frank Feathers, and Edge of Hope, Tommy Kay, and Matt McCoy will be in action. Vendor and sponsorship opportunities are available for tough luck. Anyone interested can email media at eswrestling.com for more details. Doors will open at 6 p.m. with bell time set for 7 p.m. Tickets are available at www. And this will be all caps, ESWTIX.com. Service, fee, service fees do apply. Front row seats are sold out. General admission and a limited amount of second row seats are still available. Ticket prices rise by $5 at the door. Page 7, Help Lou Porter Builders Club Spread the Love. Lou Porter Builders Club is sponsoring the Feedmore Western New York Spread the Love Peanut Butter Drive. Hang on a second. Okay. Nix the Peanut Butter Drive because that is over. The American Legion Band of the Tonawandas to appear at Cardinal O'Hara High School, PAC. The American Legion Band of the Tonawandas Spring Pop Concert will take place at 7.30 p.m. Sunday on March 24th at the Cardinal O'Hara High School Performing Arts Center, 39 O'Hara Road, Tonawanda. Tickets are $15 at the door or $13 in advance at these sites. Walker Brothers and Monroe Jewelers, 84 Webster Street in North Tonawanda, their phone number is 716-693-0527. Mid-City Opticians, 968 Payne Avenue in North Tonawanda. Phone number 716-692-5480. Tonawanda Senior Center at 35 Main Street in Tonawanda. Phone number 716-692-7029. A press release stated, Here the 80-member American Legion National Championship Band perform a symphonic pops program in the spectacular style and tradition of John Philip Sousa. On the program are famous marches, Florentiner March by Julius Fusick, Italian Rhapsody by Julie Giraud, Jack Tar March, and Fairest of the Fair by John Philip Sousa, Music Man by Meredith Wilson, The Yellow Rose of Texas Arrangement, Louis J. Buckley, Irish Songs 2 Arrangement, Stephen Bula, Night and Day by Cole Porter, Roman Carnival by Hector Berlioz, Mambo Jambo by Perez Prado, Ye Banks and Braes O Bonnie Doon by Percy Granger, Familiar show tunes and rousing military band spectaculars. Matthew Cool is the music director. For more information, visit 
www.tonawandalegionband.com. All small letters. And the best fish fry contest returns. Fish fry season has begun again, and we want to know where to eat. Meatless Fridays are much better when you can order a fish fry from Casa Antica, Fatima Shrine, Holy Ghost Lutheran School, Ciro's Toast and Roast, Tops, or any one of Western New York's finest restaurants. But if you could choose only one, where would you go? As part of the Niagara Frontier Publications annual Best Fish Fry Contest, vote for the restaurant serving your favorite fish fry. The eatery with the most votes will be featured in the Niagara County Tribune Sentinel and Island Dispatch with additional content posted at www.wnypapers.com. Voting is underway and will conclude Monday, April 1st. Vote and find rules online or fill out an entry form found in today's newspaper. Send the entry back to NFP at 1859 Whitehaven Road, Grand Island, 14072. When you cast a vote telling us which restaurant offers the freshest catches served in the tastiest batter, you'll be entering to win a fish fry for two or a general food gift certificate courtesy of an area restaurant. Winners will be selected by random draw and notified by phone or email. On page 10, the Lewiston Coraliers present Easter program at area churches. The Lewiston Coraliers will present an Easter program at four area churches on March 10th, the 16th, the 17th, and the 24th. The program will feature a cantata titled Covenant of Grace by Joseph Martin. The dates, times, and sites of the program's presentations are as follows. Each begins at 2 p.m. On March 10th, which is a Sunday, it will be at the First Presbyterian Church of Youngstown at 100 Church Street. On the 16th of March, which is a Saturday, it will be at the First Presbyterian Church of Lewiston at 500 Cayuga Street. On the 17th of March, which is a Sunday, it will be at St. James Lutheran Church at 2437 Niagara Road, Burkholz. And on Sunday, March 24th, it will be at the Messiah Lutheran Church at 915 Oneida Street in Lewiston. The Coraliers will be directed by Dr. Brad Wingert and accompanied by pianist Linda Williams. Performances are open to the public with a general admission fee of $5. Children 12 and under admitted free. More information on the Lewiston Coraliers is available at www.lewistoncoraliers.com and on Facebook. And flipping over to entertainment, more major concert announcements at Art Park. As part of Art Park and Company's 50th anniversary season, the Flaming Lips will perform the entire Yoshimi Battles the Pink Robots album and more at the Art Park Amphitheater at 7.30 p.m. on Monday, July 22nd. Released in 2002, Yoshimi Battles the Pink Robots remains the commercial high-water mark in the Flaming Lips' wild four-decade journey, giving the Grammy Award winners their first RIAA certified gold record. 
As the eagerly awaited follow-up to 1999's masterpiece, The Soft Bulletin, Yoshimi proved singer-guitarist Wayne Coyne and multi-instrumentalist Stephen Drozd had yet another masterpiece in them. Yoshimi Battles the Pink Robots is a sci-fi-themed quasi-concept album that cast the Flaming Lips' most playful and profound songs to date in a wondrous swirl of ambient electronics, digital beats, and psychedelic splendor. The record yielded the band's top-streamed track, Do You Realize, a timeless stargazing anthem that, in 2009, was named the official rock song of the band's native Oklahoma, and also landed the Lips their first-ever Grammy Award for the cosmic album-closing instrumental, Approaching Pavonis Mons, by Balloon, Utopia, Utopia Flanitia. This concert is presented by Live Nation and Art Park. Front of stage, standing reserved seating, and general admission tickets go on sale online at Ticketmaster.com or over the phone by calling the Art Park and Company box office at 716-754-4375. The physical box office is closed for in-person purchases until further notice, due to construction at the Art Park grounds. Tickets will not be sold in person at the box office. They are only available online or via the phone. No carry-in chairs will be allowed, but blankets are permitted on the grass area. Next will be Nora Jones. As part of Art Park and Company's 50th anniversary season, Nora Jones will perform at the Main Stage Theater at 7.30 p.m., on Saturday, July 6th, with special guest Mavis Staples. This concert is presented by Live Nation and Art Park. Reserved seating tickets go on sale at 10 a.m. Friday, March 1st, at Ticketmaster.com or over the phone by calling the box office at 716-754-4375. The Art Park and Company box office is currently closed as I noted before. <laughs> More about Nora Jones. She emerged on the world stage with a 2002 release of Come Away With Me, her self-described moody little record that introduced a singular new voice and grew into a global phenomenon, sweeping the 2003 Grammy Awards, including Album of the Year, Record of the Year, Song of the Year, and Best New Artist. Since then, Jones has become a nine-time Grammy winner, sold more than 52 million albums, and her songs have been streamed 10 billion times worldwide. She has released a series of critically acclaimed and commercially successful solo albums, including Feel Like Home, 2004, Not Too Late in 2007, The Fall in 2009, Little Broken Hearts in 2012, Daybreaks 2016, Pick Me Up Off the Floor in 2020, The Live Album Till We Meet Again 2021, Her Holiday Album I Dream of Christmas in 2021, and Visions in 2024. In 2022, Jones launched her podcast, Nora Jones is Playing Along, which features candid conversations and impromptu musical collaborations with some of her favorite musicians. 
and a little on Mavis Staples, hailed by NPR as one of America's defining voices of freedom and peace, Staples is the kind of once-in-a-generation artist whose impact on music and culture would be difficult to overstate. She's both a blues, a rock and roll hall of famer, a civil rights icon, a three-tie Grammy Award winner with a Grammy Lifetime Achievement Award, a chart-topping soul, gospel, and R&B pioneer, a National Arts Award Lifetime Achievements recipient, named to Rolling Stone's Top 200 Singers of All Time, number 46, and a Kennedy Center honoree. She marched with Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., performed at John F. Kennedy's inauguration, and sang in Barack Obama's White House. Over the past few decades alone, she collaborated with everyone from Prince and Bob Dylan to Art Cave Fire and Bob Iver, blown away countless festival goers from Newport Folk and Glastonbury to Lollapalooza and Bonnaroo and graced the airwaves and the Grammys. Additional 2024 Art Park and Company events include Gary Clark Jr. on the 25th of May, Lost Lonely Boys on May 31st, Sarah McLaughlin on the 18th of June. On June 21st, you'll see Bonnie Raitt. On the 12th and 14th of July, the opera Tosca. And you will see Bush on the 17th of August and OAR on the 27th of August. Reading from the Island Dispatch in the Opinion Column, Buffalo Region Preparing for Eclipse. I think everyone can appreciate the few additional moments of daylight we start to see this time of year, aside from the extra day added to February, on account of this being a leap year. We are in the home stretch to spring. The countdown will begin to warmer days, vacation travel, and eventually Sundays occupied by our beloved Buffalo Bills. There is one more countdown that will be historic for our region, and that is the total solar eclipse taking place April 8th. Since Buffalo is right at the center line, it has been deemed the perfect place for viewing this natural phenomenon. Erie County will prepare for as many as 1 million tourists to the Buffalo region during this time. There will be multiple viewing opportunities across the area, and it's a good time to start researching the events being offered in your own neighborhoods. All Erie County parks will be open to visitors to watch the eclipse free of charge. Specifically in this district, Grand Island's Beaver Island State Park will also offer a morning run, craft show, food, drinks, live music, children's activities, kayak rentals, games, and more. The Buffalo Zoo will be hosting their own watch event. While there is a charge for admission, you will have the bonus of seeing how this phenomenon affects different kinds of nature, including the resident zoo animals. We are also fortunate to have Riverside Park, a wide open space nestled along the Niagara River, as another perfect viewing option. There are other factors involved in planning for this event, and safety is a top priority. It is not safe to look directly at the sun without specialized eye protection for solar viewing. The only time you can look at a total eclipse safely is during the brief, brief total phase of a total, total solar eclipse when the moon completely blocks the sun. 
it is imperative to use specialized eyewear for this eclipse. The Erie County Department of Health outlines important safety information at https colon two forward slashes www3.erie.gov forward slash health forward slash total solar eclipse. It also offers a checklist of items you may want to bring to your viewing event. As you may have heard, free glasses are available at all Erie County Public Library locations and the Buffalo Museum of Science. I encourage you to think about getting your pair now. I am also currently working to secure a limited number of glasses for my own office to provide not-for-profit organizations hosting viewing events within the district. I have regularly mentioned how fortunate we are in Erie County that we have a plethora of cultural exhibits, museums, and incredible small businesses to fill our weekends and free time. Now we will have the perfect opportunity to show thousands of tourists from near and far what makes this place so special. Along with planning your Eclipse viewing experience, think about the local restaurants and businesses you can support while kids have the day off from school. As always, you are welcome to reach out to my district office at 716-832-0493 with any questions, concerns, or for more information about that eclipse. And that is by the Honorable Michael Kushayan, Erie County District 3 legislator. The Grand Island Recreation Department's Sunday Family Swimming Programs continue over the winter and spring at Grand Island High School on Ransom Road. Programs run from 11 a.m. to 2.45 p.m. Sundays through April 28th and enter at door number 21. Supervised by Recreation Department lifeguards, open swim and lap swim programs for children and adults are available free of charge. For more information, Visit https colon two forward slash Grand Island New York dot dot com forward slash documents forward slash twenty twenty three twenty Sunday swim. The Niagara Hospice Spring Bouquet Sale hosted by Niagara Hospice, will take place on March 11th through the 16th. Organizers said the 2023 sale was the most successful year to date, raising over $39,000 to support hospice care in Niagara County, and the organization hopes to carry this momentum forward into 2024. We are excited to bring a little bit of spring to Niagara County, while also getting the community involved to raise awareness about Niagara Hospice, said Allison Bolt special events coordinator. We hope even more Niagara County businesses and organizations will participate this year to help support our mission. Standard bouquets sell for $10 each. A special Memories in Bloom 30 stem bouquet sells for $30. There is no cost to any organization to participate. Some businesses participate at pre-sale locations where their staff can pre-purchase bouquets to be delivered on site during the week of March 11th. Other businesses participate as walk-up sales locations and sell bouquets to customers on a chosen day. 
Interested parties can sign up at www.niagarahospice.org forward slash spring bouquet. A press release stated, volunteers are also an integral part of the sale from preparing materials to selling at community walk-ups locations to making the bouquet deliveries to businesses, schools, and churches. If you are interested in volunteering for a couple of hours, one day during the sale or more, contact Bolt at 280-0766 for more information. The Niagara History Center, the Niagara County Historical Society, is accepting applications from college students for summer internships. The paid internships will be funded through the Griggs-Lewis Foundation's 2024 Workership Program and will run from mid-May through mid-August. To be eligible to apply, college students must live in eastern Niagara County or attend either Niagara County Community College or Niagara University. Students must be currently attending college when applying and must be available to work from mid-May through mid-August. The deadline for applications is March 15th. Application forms and position descriptions can be requested by email at info at niagarahistory.org or by phone at 716-434-7433. That's 716-434-7433. And you have been listening to a reading of articles and features from the February 23rd issues of the Island Dispatch and the Niagara County Tribune Sentinel. This is Lita, and I've been your reader. Thanks for listening. Take care. God bless. And as always, keep smiling.
Hello, this is Patricia, and for the next hour, I'll be reading from current issues of the Lockport Union.